Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. Thanks very much for listening and watching over on YouTube. Uh, we're down here in Mexico. This is the Mexico Grand Prix uh, tune-up to the big race on the weekend and today was media day so taping this on a thursday no carlos Sainz uh for today's media sessions the team told me that he wasn't feeling very well but added that it's not serious and they expect him to be back at the track on friday and ready to jump into the car uh, a lot of different media sessions happening today did two interviews one with uh Voltri Bottas which you will hear uh, in a little while on this episode and then Daniel Ricardo which you'll hear later on uh next week and both interviews went really really well we talked a uh, lot about racing obviously but for Voltri we talked a lot about hockey we talked a lot about uh the NHL we talked about uh, the team that he owns or partially owns over in Finland. Uh, I believe it's called the Lochte uh, Pelicans. And we talked about the Vegas Golden Knights. And then for Ricardo, like we spoke a lot about um, the Buffalo Bills, the NFL, his, uh, <laughs> his love affair with Josh Allen. So really good stuff from both of them. Also threw in some of your questions to to both, and they answered them. Uh, so really great stuff from them. Lewis Hamilton also had his uh, media availability today, and this is the first time he's you know really he did put out a bit of a press release with Mercedes following the disqualification from his uh, second place finish at the U.S. Grand Prix last weekend. But this is the first time we all got to sit down and chat with him about what had happened. And so, you know, fascinating things. I thought um, a bit of frustration for sure, no doubt. I mean, every driver would be after getting disqualified. But he thought that more cars should have been tested. And, you know, this was a conversation that I had had with a couple other drivers throughout the day on Thursday. And, you know, a lot of them just simply saying a lot of the same things, you know, they've come, the FIA has really come a long way in terms of um, trying to make these processes faster, a little more robust. And the big issue with the, the plank where is, just potentially not enough staff to really go through every single detail on every single car. And that's why they do random selections with a lot of the cars on the grid. Um, 
you know, for, for Hamilton, he felt that there was, you know, probably some others that would have gotten caught after that race. Uh, he felt that we're, we're running the cars a bit too low as well if they had been checked. And I would be curious to know who he thought they they were. And it was just um, it's just interesting to to hear about it, really. I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into checking over these race cars. And at the end of the day, I mean, if you're going to do random selections – doing first, second, uh, third, fourth following the U.S. Grand Prix is, it's interesting. You know, I don't wonder why they had, they had uh, gone that route or decided to take that route, but I mean, they did. And Lewis, Lewis and, Lewis and uh, Charles got, got busted. Um, another big storyline, I think, from Lewis's side would be having that disqualification and losing all of the points. So being in a championship battle for second in the driver's standings, it may not seem like a lot to some people, but it actually, I mean, it is, right? That's set in the the history books. So, you know, for, for Lewis coming out of the summer break, you know, that was a big thing for him was trying to catch up and beat Sergio Perez for second in the driver's standings. You know, Lewis was fourth coming out of the uh, summer break in the driver's standings. He uh, leapfrogged Fernando Alonso up into third, and then he was he was closing in on Checo pretty good. And even with that second-place finish, he really closed in on Checo. But since he was disqualified, you know, Hamilton feels that Sergio needs to now have at least, you know, four bad races, he felt, for him to have a chance at trying to claw his way into second place in the driver's uh, standings because of that disqualification and the amount of points that they had lost and how are they able to make up that uh, sum. And you know what? I think that puts pressure on, on Sergio, but the thing for Sergio is, is that, you know, he's kind of been driving okay ever since he spent a, so he spent a, so Sergio spent a quite a bit of time in the Red Bull simulator uh, in lead up to the U S Grand Prix and Red Bull's been really working hard with this guy to get him back on the right track. And for Sergio, he feels like he's starting to get there. Like he feels like he's, he's really understanding, you know, what the car needs, not totally understand exactly what it needs. Cause he still says he struggles with the hard tire compound uh, with this particular, with the RB19. And so, I think, you know, a lot of the pressure is definitely on Sergio Perez's shoulders to close out strong, uh, not to make too many mistakes, finish uh, the season off well. And, you know, Hamilton was was asked to co- to compare his car with, with the Red Bulls because they had a massive upgrade. So, you know, Mercedes brought this brand new floor and Lewis and the team thought that it was going to give them a, about a tenth of a second uh, in terms of performance gained. And that's what the simulation tools were telling them. But at the end of the day, they actually ended up getting more out of it. They ended up getting like two to three tenths out of this thing. And Lewis actually felt that he probably could have gotten uh, potentially a one more tenth out of it if he really, really wrung the car's neck. Um, 
he explained where some of their performance is equal to Red Bulls and where it lacks. He felt that the the slower speed corners was was where they were pretty strong. He felt that they were really strong in slow speed corners compared with really high speed content that Red Bull is so good at. He mentioned Suzuka quite a few times. And when I look at Suzuka, yeah, a lot of fast, high speed uh, corners. And I think when you take a look at some of the other cars, Aston Martin being one of them, well, they're really good with that slow speed content. And you look at McLaren, they're actually extremely strong with the high-speed content. And for Red Bull, you know, they're on another level when it comes to, you know, the car uh, moving a lot less. And what Lewis had explained that since the car doesn't move as much, the degradation is easier for them to manage. So what he means by the car moving, um, it would be a lot to do with what's happening with the rear on entry and exit. And Lewis has been trying to get the team for the past few seasons now to give him a better rear end on the race cars because he had already known the fact that he needs to have the stable rear end to be able to gain the performance that he needs to go and compete where Red Bull, that's something that they're really good at. They have a really stable rear end on, on exit. So it doesn't move around a lot, which means the tire degrades less. It's easier to manage. Uh, it's easier to keep the temperatures of the rear tires lower because it's not squirming um, when it comes out of corners and under acceleration and it's able to go longer. So it's able to manage that tire deg, which I've spoken about in the podcast before about how Red Bull is just so good when it comes to the races in that tire management. Uh, and, and then he, you know, he carried on to explain just how stable, like the platform, um, that they have is like, it's a very stable platform that the Red Bull has, has built when it comes to the pitch, the yaw, um, weight transfer between the car. And it's all done so nicely with this Red Bull package that that's something these teams are trying to, uh, learn and understand and emulate for, for, for next, for next season. And it's interesting when you look at, um, the likes of McLaren. So we, we spoke with Lando Norris today as well. You know, he essentially said, you know, about the disqualification that, you know, had happened with the, the Mercedes and Ferrari. And he said the chances of both cars being illegal was high. He said, quote, if one car is illegal, then there's a high chance the other car is. And he, he's probably got a point. I mean, if you, if you look at what, what Mercedes had to do to get, you know, to get the car, to get the upgrade working again, to understand where you put the ride height with this thing, didn't leave themselves enough of a, um, enough of a gap, enough of a buffer to allow for a little bit less plank wear, which means that the, 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 the actual car probably wouldn't have achieved, you know, top line performance. But then again, you got to look at the other cars too. I mean, they're not achieving it either. It's the same for everybody, right? They're all having to, 
they're all these teams are having to deal with the exact same thing. And you have to leave that, that buffer um, in there. But with the McLaren, you know, like I'd mentioned earlier, interesting, like that they are really fast in that high speed content where it comes to the low speed stuff. You know, Lando was just saying that like, they really struggle in low speed corners and low to medium speed corners. He said, once you get to the high speed stuff, that's where their car really comes to life. So he felt that for Mexico, they're probably going to struggle. And he didn't mean like they're going to be dead last, but he didn't think that they were going to have the performances like finishing on the podium this weekend that they are hoping for. He felt that, you know, for Aston Martin, this track would be something that they are going to be strong at. A lot of low speed corners here. Um, the Aston Martin is when it's in a good driving window, uh, it's usually really good, uh, on exit and it's good with the braking as well. Um, and yeah, just a lot of interesting stuff coming from, from Lando's side as well. As for Mexico, I mean, interesting place. You know, I've been here a long time ago, a long time ago, been this, been here, but like it's been, I want to say 20 years probably since I was last here. So a lot's changed for sure. Uh, track still looks great. Um, tons of improvement to it as well. Uh, same goes with the, the paddock, the interior, um, the media center that uh, they kind of built up there is really nice as well. We've been working out of, um, and yeah, there's, there is a lot going on in the paddock. They have a lot of stuff going on in here. It's, it's actually one of the things that uh, the FIA of, uh, and, and F1 have pulled back on is allowing more people in the paddock for this weekend because of security issues last year. Last year, they overfilled the paddock. There's way too many people in here. And I guess drivers really struggled to to get to their garages uh, so they could do their jobs. People were stopping them every two steps to take pictures, sign autographs. I guess it was really packed here, but for this year, not so much. They're going to be cutting back on a lot of people who are going to be allowed in the paddock um, for this weekend. But there's so much going on. It's really cool. Like you can go and get like homemade ice cream. Uh, they have like homemade tacos and stuff like really good food too. I haven't tried the ice cream yet. I haven't tried the ice cream yet. Uh, trying to watch what I eat when I get on the road. You know, I really try to lose weight here. So it's, uh, it's been a struggle to like look at the ice cream and not, you know, know that I kick over and have a, have a taste. Um, they had a barbecue. F1 had a barbecue for us. Uh, to tonight or Thursday night. I'm trying to remember what all we had. There was like beef brisket. No, it wasn't beef brisket. What was it? It was like flank steak. Uh, and it was delicious. I'm going to post it on my Instagram. If you want to see uh, the stories from the, uh, the barbecue party uh, from this evening in the paddock that F1 put on for us, but they had these burgers. They had these uh, mini sliders. Oh my God. Honestly, best burger I've ever had. I know, right? Best burger I have ever had. And, you know, I've been to some good burger joints. Like, I'm not a, I don't always, like, a burger is a treat for me. It's not something that I eat regularly. But when I do, I make sure that I'm going to get a good one. And I'm going to get it from a good place. And I was just like, ah, they got a slider here. Let's give it a shot. Best thing, best burger I've ever eaten. It had like maple bacon on it with this crazy good like mayo that they had mixed in uh, with these caramelized onions like and cheese. Oh, my God. It was delicious. I had to go back for a second one. So two of those mini burgers. Oh, they were good. And I'm trying to think what else they had there. Anyways, 
Sorry, I'd bother you with food. Ton of food. It was delicious. The food here is incredible. Uh, people here are super friendly as well. And really excited for this weekend. Uh, but yes, let's get to Veltery Bottas because he came onto the show. He answered your questions. We talked a lot about a lot of different things. So hopefully you enjoy this one and we'll catch you on the flip side. Valtteri, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. No uh, I guess you flew straight from Austin to get here to Mexico. Did you leave on like the Monday or the, the Tuesday? Yeah, I left actually Monday, like midday already. I, I tend to come here early. Uh, one reason being tacos. <laughs> and one reason being uh, the altitude, because it actually takes a few days to yeah. get used to the altitude. So. Yeah, I went for a run this morning and uh, I looked at my heart rate because like normally like, a, you know, five, five minute, 30 pace is like base running. Yeah. I looked at Here, my watch, and it was like seven minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's through. a big difference, right? Oh, Especially shoot. in the first few days. Yeah. yeah. How much does that affect you in the car? You feel that you are breathing a bit more than normal, but um, the track is not the most physical track actually because of yeah. it's quite a low grip so that kind of helps a bit and how how happy have you been with the the season so far i mean obviously since the team brought some upgrades it's been pretty competitive by the looks of things on average if i say it's been not up to our expectations and my expectations we're definitely hoping for a better season overall but we've had some some good races and recently in places like Qatar, we seem quite competitive and i'm actually hoping quite a lot from this grand prix so hopefully still some more points to get yeah, I guess when when things aren't going well, like how how do you deal with the the frustration of it? Like, is is it something for you where it's over quite quickly and you can get over it, or do you have outlets that allow you to deal with frustration? Uh, it's I, I try to think ahead. I try to think further ahead, and now the motivation is to try and get up there, try and get consistently into top ten in yeah. the in the future, and and closer to top three. So that's my motivation. So I just need to keep reminding myself that, yeah, nothing happens overnight. Uh, there's always ups and downs in this sport. And uh, all my, my, my job is still to try and try to try the car as fast as I can and give the best, best feedback I can. Do you ever uh, do you ever look around and kind of pinch yourself? You know, like you, you, you made it into Formula One, you know, like this is the pinnacle of motorsport and you're able to get here and, and stick around like, of course, sometimes. Yeah, of course. It's um, it's a strange little bubble that we live in here. I think you, you understand what I mean. And yeah. uh, sometimes you need to take a step back and think, okay, it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> we actually have a race car warming up behind us, so apologies yeah. for the noise. But uh, we have a question from at uh, Jordan Young. Uh, Who has had the biggest impact on your career? Biggest impact on my career is definitely my my parents. Like they they really made made it possible for me to try and pursue my dream. They gave everything in terms of time and financially what they could. Yeah. So they really were fully committed. So, um, I know cycling is a is a passion of yours. Uh, is it is it something you've always loved, like, or is it just something that's in the last few years you've recently grown to love it? It's been always part of my training. Yeah. I would say on average. Um, back in the day, I would ride once or twice a year just for training cardio. But then when I met Tiffany, my current girlfriend, um, she's a professional and yeah. then I really got into it. And I'm really properly addicted now and I even have my cycling goals as well. Uh, from at McInfrini, sorry if I uh, butchered your name. As you were an avid biker, when you aren't on the racetrack, what has been your most challenging ride? My challenging ride, most challenging ride, um, I would say it was actually this year I did this race in uh, Steamboat's 
uh, Steamboat Springs in Colorado. Yeah. It was 160 kilometers, so 100 miles on gravel. Uh, in altitude in 30 degrees Celsius <laughs> and the last hour was, I was cramping so much like I found muscles that I didn't know can cramp and uh, that was the, it was more like survival in the end so. uh, have you ever done Mount Lemon like the I haven't no okay so no. I did the tide so they have a time trial there okay so I did the time trial up to Mount Lemon but the thing is is like once you get to the top of Mount Lemon then they have the ski hills and you got to take a separate road to get to that but the elevation changes. Okay, so it's yeah. a gradual elevation, but like once you get to the ski hills, it goes from like this to like Oh, nice. Like this. Gotta try it. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, that's yeah. definitely a ride you're gonna have to try. Um, Duffman. Yep. So where where did uh, where did the idea come from? <laughs> so yeah, actually in the same event that I just described, yeah. they did this fun hill climb race um, on the night before. And yeah, there was a, a competition for the best costume. And the winner of the best costume would get his or hers weight in beer. <laughs> so that was the motivation for me. So uh, <laughs> I started thinking about what's the best costume. Obviously, we're in the USA, so it needs to be something relevant. Um, I, I love Simpsons. And then I thought Duffman. So I, I found this really cool Duffman costume, uh, found some Duff beer and uh, had the beer belt and everything and did the hill climb. And I won the, won the costume competition. So uh, <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> How much were you sweating? A lot. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Like, it was warm. <laughs> yeah, 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 Did you warm. have to take, uh, yeah. like, what, were you drinking, uh, like, electrolyte drink and stuff, like, mixture with you when you were going? Or I had some electrolytes before because I knew it's going to be hot, but yeah. then actually I did enjoy one beer on the way up. <laughs> that was, uh, that helped me actually. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I couldn't do that, man. I, I'd be sick. Um, for Mad Caveman Milo, top five tips for getting better at cycling. <laughs> top five tips. For me, number one, consistency. It is a unique sport in terms of you just need to do lots of it. Yeah. And consistency yeah. is the key. And also one is definitely that it's quite easy to go too hard because in the end, if you want to train your cardiovascular system, you know, I think I would say 80% of your training needs to be low heart rate. You can't always push yourself and otherwise you struggle with recovery and stuff so try to take it easy sometimes then recovery is also good you know good nutrition good sleep uh gym work to strengthen your 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 core as well not only the legs of course legs are important but also other parts of the body and then i would say the last one is try to uh, go to places that you normally don't go i think bicycle is, is a great way yeah. to see new places and, and it's quite easy to stuck to the same routes but sometimes get out of your comfort zone and explore yeah. i see you sometimes biking around the track i mean do you do that every single like race weekend pretty much i think yeah. we're actually these two races here in brazil are the only places that i don't have my bike normally okay uh, just because the riding is quite compromised in the big cities so yeah usually I, I ride most of the tracks and instead of doing a track walk i do my track ride so i think uh Folks may not know just how good you are at cycling, but you actually beat uh, Alistair Brownlee. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is right. I think he might have had a small puncture or something, but really? still. Yeah. yeah, but still, you still beat yeah. him. Like, yeah. like, it's Alistair Brownlee. He's an yeah, yeah. Olympic gold medalist yeah. triathlete. Like, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting, getting all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you know like you had, you had beat him like at the end of the race or is uh, it something you found out later? I did check the results after and I, I saw that and I was like, <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're a big ice hockey fan. So I believe you're, is it uh, your part owner of uh, Lati Pel Pelicans? The Pelicans, yeah, correct. They play in the Finnish league. Okay, so 
why 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 them and then why the the ownership it, it is my hometown and actually as a, as a kid i used to play 10 years for their junior team so uh i i was always in the summer driving go-karts and winter i had to do something uh so i, I played ice hockey and it was big passion for me and uh during COVID times, I got the opportunity to get involved with the team, and uh, they needed some some help as well. As you know, there was restrictions on the how many people they could come and watch the the games, and the sport was really struggling. So I, I thought it was the right time to jump in, as uh, I, I own ten percent of the team now, and um, yeah, it's been really really cool to see that side of ice hockey. So we have a we have a lot of hockey fans who listen to yeah listen to the podcast. Um, from at Andy Reiner Bass, do you have a favorite NHL team and a current player? Um, as I'm doing this interview with a Canadian, uh, should I say Montreal? <laughs> it's been always actually. No, honestly, no. Yeah. Whoever, whoever, okay. whoever, Montreal, yep. definitely like uh, being always always up there. Big reason is Saku Koivu. Um, I've always been a big fan of that, but recently I like winners. So actually, Las Vegas is a pretty cool team, and it's a great story as well because such yeah. a young team that can achieve something so quickly. And I'm actually trying to do something with them in in Vegas. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Let me know. Yep. <laughs> Keep me posted on oh, that. Will do. Um, from Lauren in the six, uh, the FIA makes the decision to build a new track in a country that doesn't already have a race slash track what city or country are you picking and what style of track obviously it would be finland as a country uh, and the, the city would be lahti which is my hometown it's actually really really pretty pretty place with lots of lakes and forest and uh, there's lots of space so that should be possible and what was the was there some other, other questions so they would want to know what type of a track like what style like street circuits turn heavy lots of straights high speed corners it would be a combination of suzuka and spa Okay. Something like that. So, a bit of elevation, really fast flowing, but also made that it is good for overtaking. Did you ever think about uh, trying to talk to F1 about getting a race in Finland one day? I've told them already, but uh, yeah. you know, it's it's not so easy. Right. So, one of those things they got to sh- build a track, make sure it's legal and yeah, safe. Yeah, exactly. It takes a yeah, lot of money. A long, long, yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, a few more questions for you, Valtteri. Yeah. Uh, from at Baltimore Berserker. Do you have any uh, interest in racing any other series? And if so, which ones and why? You ever thought about like 24 hours of Le Mans one day or? I tend to say like never say never to anything. You know, I I still feel like I have many years ahead in Formula One. Uh, I still have lots to give for the sport, but eventually because I love driving and racing so much, for sure I'll be driving something. And the nice thing is that I'm pretty open. Like, uh, obviously, eventually we'll see what opportunities there are. But yeah, um, for sure, 24 hours of Lemma is really iconic race that I feel like everyone has to do at least once in a lifetime yeah, if sure. you're a professional racing driver. Yeah, sure. But then other things like IndyCar or V8 supercars, you know, I'm I'm open. Yeah. yeah so do you watch any IndyCar? At all? I used to. So I used to race in. Well, it used to be called Champ Car. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I used to race in Champ Car Atlantic. So Indy Lights, Indy Next, their feeder system. Uh, have you ever like? Do you watch IndyCar racing, and how much how much do you watch of it? If if so, like, yeah. I know you're busy, so it might be difficult. Yeah, I, I don't watch that much. Sometimes I do try to watch highlights and stuff. Yeah. Uh, if there's been a good race, I yeah try to follow a little bit. So the racing is good. Like yeah. it's it's really really good to watch. So yeah, who knows? Have you have you noticed like especially with the new regulation change that's kind of come in like like it's getting really close. Like th- this feels like it's the closest it's ever been, especially in the midfield. And then I mean obviously the Red Bulls are off in their own league, but. 
Everybody else seems quite close. Absolutely. Like where we are as a, as a team, it's only super fine margins yeah. to decide if you get points or not. And the qualifiers, they are so close nowadays, but even at the top sometimes. So that's good. It's getting closer. And I feel like the new new regs, you know, the limitations and the wind yeah. tunnel hours, all this is starting to work. Yeah. And I think in the future, we'll see even more close racing. Yeah, for the, for the future, I mean, like... Have you ever seen this big of a turnaround in a mid-season for regulations? Because like I don't ever remember it being this close, where someone brought an upgrade and yeah. like maybe they were a second off in pace, but then they were able to claw back half a second, sometimes more, like yeah. in the middle of the season. Yeah, uh, I've never seen this close definitely, and there's been always surprises every weekend. There's a certain team that just gets things right, and suddenly they are way ahead of you. So it's like it's good. It brings opportunities yeah. for some smaller teams as well. Valtteri, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, sorry, everyone, for the engine noise behind yeah, I us. I think we're blaming Aston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks again, man. Thank I you. appreciate it. Cheers. Big thanks to Alfa Romeo Sauber for, you know, getting Valtteri onto the show for us. Really appreciated him doing that. Really appreciated Valtteri for taking the time to come onto the show as well. It's great seeing him. Uh, you know, always great. I always love talking with Valtteri. He's, he's a good dude. He's class act, really. Uh, and then the Daniel Ricardo episode, uh, probably will drop next week sometime uh, in lead up to and lead into the uh, Brazil uh, Grand Prix. Uh, kind of want to dig more into these race weekends post. Uh, haven't been able to really sink my teeth into to a lot of these. So for Monday's episode, what's going to end up happening? So I have to take a red eye from uh, Mexico all the way back to to Canada. So that so Monday's episode will probably come out a little bit later, but I'm gonna do a deeper dive from uh, Mex on the Mexico Grand Prix. It'll be hard for me to tape it post because I have to uh, do my obligations for you know TSN and make sure that I get to the airport and not miss my flight. So because <laughs> you know, can't stick around here. So yeah, uh, expect that episode a little bit later. Uh, next week but thanks everyone for watching and listening uh, if you want more nailing the apex you can get it wherever you get your podcasts please head on over to spotify give us a five star rating and follow same goes to the apple podcast as well if you can write a review for us we'd appreciate it you can watch us on youtube you can follow me on social media at tim haraney and we'll talk to y'all later